the economic headwinds and the reality of what's going on right now in your labor market and your services you provide, but still providing, you know, access to care is, I think, an unprecedented place where we are in, in this country and for our clients. And it's new decisions that are being have to be made very, very quickly by healthcare, you know, leadership that they really haven't faced before. Uh, and that's a challenge and the boardrooms are there feeling that. And uh, that's gonna be a really, really tough landscape to navigate, you know, over the coming years. Welcome to AM's Healthcare Market Perspectives quarterly podcast. I'm Stu McLean, the Managing Director and Leader of our Health Systems Practice. In this quarterly podcast, we will discuss and cover the latest in healthcare trends, changes, and what we are seeing on the horizon. For this, our inaugural episode, I'm delighted to be joined by my friend, my colleague, and the Managing Director and Co-Head of our Healthcare Industry Group, Martin McGann. Thanks, Martin. Honored to be here, Stu. I'm honored uh, that you have included me in your podcast series, let alone being the inaugural one of your podcast series. So thanks. Yeah, wonderful. So let's get to it, right? With the recently turbulent environment stemming from the really the kind of financial and economic fallout from the pandemic still really rippling across the industry, challenges remain uh, in many areas. And we're also seeing perhaps some optimism about transformation ahead, but let's start with the challenges. Financial performance of health systems has been really sort of decimated in some regards, and in many regards, just uh, kind of hurt over the course of these last several years, observations, comments about where we are and where we're going? Well, there's a tremendous amount to comment about. Obviously, the last three years going through the COVID-19 pandemic uh, has challenged the healthcare system in the U.S. and and worldwide more so than it's probably ever been challenged. Uh, There were challenges heading but, you know, even before the pandemic started, there were basic infrastructure challenges that were being addressed. But really, COVID, a, a couple of things. First, COVID put a tremendous amount of stress uh, on a already fragile system. To the credit of the system, and I think this should not be lost in all of this, is the performance of the healthcare workers, the physicians, all of the clinicians really was one of the better things that came out of what was a really tough situation as a result of that coming out though you know and let's not lose the fact that probably nurses clinicians physicians were well overdue for the recognition that they long deserved and you go back to those early days of the pandemic where they were appreciated and you know people were cheered coming out of off their shifts, uh, that was great to see. I wish we could go back there, but those days are over. And I think what we've come out of is you've got a tremendous amount of financial distress uh, inherent in the system that's reflected both on the income statement and the balance sheet. Uh, You've got the sunsetting of government support, first through the CARES Act, but then also throughout the system, it could be through Uh, Payroll Protection Act, that helped. But really, 
while the clinicians and healthcare system were focused on patients and treating the pandemic, which they 100% should have been, a lot of those structural problems that needed to be addressed going into the pandemic have gotten worse. And that's just the reality of it. And so you're seeing hospitals, large health systems carrying extra burden of additional debt, lower patient volumes, and increased wages out of a pandemic, which is is putting the system in under incredible strain. Yeah, thanks, Martin. And you know, as our listeners know, we spend our time on the front line supporting our health system clients. Um, and we've noticed in 2022, as most have, that almost half or even more than half of the health systems in the country are now losing money. A big driver of that has to do with the clinical staff, which you've already commented on. Any further comments on the kind of inflationary pressures that we're dealing with? Yeah, the the labor market, I think, has been in turmoil kind of throughout multi-industry. The interesting about healthcare is, you know, healthcare, when you have wage inflation, which has happened during this and, and, you know, trying to get clinicians in place to support critical services, that wage inflation in healthcare is incredibly sticky. Not so much if you go to hospitality, maybe you're paying immediate, but that could actually rebound. And, and the stickiness in the healthcare wage inflation uh, is just a reality and a new normal coming out of this pandemic. So if I've seen stats saying, you know, obviously temporary staff, you know, those rates were 20, 30, sometimes even 40% higher than normal. Overall, wage inflation has increased, I think, probably in some cases, 9, 10, 12%. That's now here to stay. So that stickiness of wage inflation, as well as the wage inflation itself, is really the thing that's driving you know, the cost inflation throughout the, the industry. We really are seeing that at the front lines um, where, and it's interesting, where health system, our health system partners, our health system clients, I think are taking a, a really a sort of forward thinking approach to this where they recognize that without the nurses and without the doctors, there is nothing. And so therefore they are trying to meet the market, set the market, understand what that market looks like. And you are seeing double digit increases. And I think you're right, those are gonna be sticky. And it sort of sets a kind of, it sets a new cost structure, you know, which then sort of raises the question around revenue streams, right? And the importance of government payers. It's too soon from my perspective to tell what the impact of the, the kind of changes in Medicaid might be. But do you have some thoughts on that? Well, it, so complicated and multi-part question there. Before we leave wages, first, I think wages and overall clinical rates and employment wages are they're varied, right? They vary by geography, they vary by market. I think overall, we've seen the trend. One stat that I saw that was particularly alarming was somewhere over 333,000 clinicians left the profession during the pandemic. And that's nurses, that's physicians, that's other clinicians, that's techs. But as you and I and our clients know, recreating that labor base, it can't happen overnight. You can't create more nurses or create more physicians. That will have to be solved over time, further contributing to the stickiness. Uh, and what then happens as you totally 
pointed out is, okay, well, who pays for that? How do you pass that along? Uh, and quite candidly, it's it's falling to to provide care. It's going to fall to ultimately insurers, but that's sticky as well. You're not going to see that reflected in rates. So the gap is going to fall to government programs and most likely state Medicaid programs if you want those services to continue, which quite candidly, they have to continue. Uh, so you're going to see increasingly burden on the states uh, to kind of fill that gap. Uh, and that's going to be, I think, a real flashpoint for our clients probably over the next you know, two to three years of how that gap in funding care kind of falls out in each of these communities. Uh, and you're going to also see it within communities. They're going to be you know, there are going to be winners and losers, unfortunately. So it's going to be, it's a really dynamic time, as you and I know, uh, in the hospital space right now, especially in the in the large health system place, because these are complicated questions and questions that you know, can't get answered pretty easily. So long answer to your question, but hopefully that was, was something that Super helpful. And, you know, just to kind of add to that, the challenge I think that some of our clients on the front line are having is that there are services that they provide in their community that are profitable and there are services that are simply not. And so those services that are not are also, to your point, important with regard to access. Uh, so there, because of that funding gap, there are questions being raised in boardrooms and in C-suites around whether they can continue to provide the full range of services. So that sort of disruption is really a powerful question that you know that we as a as a nation really are are facing. Yeah, it, 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 going back, you're exactly right because the health system and, and healthcare services system in, in large hospitals uh, they're economic beings, but they're also public health beings, right? They they have a duty to provide services for their community. And I think that's something that is remarkably unique and in a lot of ways special about what we do. It's, yes, this is a business, but you're providing really critical health services for your community. And being caught between the economic headwinds and the reality of what's going on right now in your labor market, and your services you provide, but still providing, you know, access to care is, I think, an unprecedented place where we are in, in this country and for our clients. And it's new decisions that are being have to be made very, very quickly by healthcare, you know, leadership that they really haven't faced before. Uh, and that's a challenge. And the boardrooms are are feeling that. And uh that's going to be a really, really tough landscape to navigate, you know, over the coming years. And the question sort of becomes, you know, again, from the perspective of the boardrooms and the C-suites, how do we respond, you know? And I think what we're seeing is a movement in a couple of directions, certainly in the direction of ambulatory care, virtual care, but also the application of technology. Comments on uh, any of those, just in terms of the, the kind of the change in the way care is delivered, perhaps? Yeah, well, it's, you know, heading into the pandemic and really, I'll say over the last 15 years, you would even know better than I, the, 
there has been a significant movement to shift patients in care out of the high cost environments into you know more economically driven care environments. And that's been great. I think the pandemic accelerated that more than probably any payer probably has. It was more effective in doing that. Uh, so you're going to see movement toward those outpatient and ambulatory care services. You're going to see different treatments in how you clinically treat patients in those areas too. You saw it at the emergence of telehealth. I think that that's interesting. I think that's here to stay, but it's it's more than that. It's how do you deliver care? How do you change the footprint of large hospital systems? And what does the hospital 25 years from now look like? It's going to be very, very different. Yeah, agreed. And I read a study recently, I want to say it was a Kaiser Foundation study, but I'm not sure, that noted that for hospital and health systems, that in this year, 2023, for the first time in total, outpatient revenue would equal and outstrip inpatient revenue. So that's been a long time coming. Um, and I think you're right, has really accelerated over the course of recent years. Um, and it just it just speaks to a really dramatic change, you know, in the way care is organized. And, I think and, all- and to make that shift, Steve, it requires different application and different sourcing of capital. It requires, it's not a shift that happens quickly. It's not a shift that happens. There's some planning that you have to get in order to drive, you know, what the, the strategy for care is and the clinical care is going to be. And you, you put that also in an environment where most of large health systems are capital. They're, they're running into a just the overall market of capital constraint, right? So access to capital is more expensive and it's it's more limited. To make that shift in this environment becomes almost doubly hard. You have a capital system with rates that are higher. You have a debt burden on a legacy system that you're going to have to somehow service. And so you're going to have to make that shift in, in what's going to be a pretty tough economic environment, at least for the near term. And we're starting to see that. You're starting to see bond rates and bond defaults increase. Uh, I saw in the first quarter of 23, there were more de- bond defaults than there had been since, I think, this time in 2011. Uh, so that is almost like that's a 12, 15-year life cycle of capital that you've had low cost of capital that's now shifting to more expensive capital. Uh, you're starting to see a uh, higher cost of inflation. I think the supply chain issues that plagued us during the first part of the pandemic have loosened, but they're still complicated, obviously. Uh, Access to kind of, you know, especially it's going to be complicated with access to uh, international medical products. So all of these things make it a really, really, I think, unique and complicated time for hospital leadership uh, at this point. Yeah, well said. You know, Martin, I want to say just, you know, as we sort of wrap this up, uh, your perspective from my is you you have the benefit of really understanding the hospital and health system space, and you see healthcare from a much broader perspective as well, from the perspective of the payers, from the perspective of investors and the like. So you know, kind of closing comments perhaps on you know the road ahead and whether or not you might see some changes perhaps in terms of the way you know, capital structure is maybe considered or or technology is delivered or the relationship between payers and providers. 
Yeah, I think you have to never lose the perspective that the business and, and the reason that large health systems exist is to provide patient care. You know, just end of story. And having that on the ground perspective and having that, you know, in the trenches perspective that that you have and obviously being out in clients that our clients have uh, can't be lost, but also it's it's going to require different challenges. It's going to require a, a broader scope and probably a shift in, in capital planning. It's going to it's going to require a shift in perspective. And I would just encourage our clients to not ignore that and understand that this is the new reality and understand that uh, getting at that additional perspective is going to be key. So m- my thought and kind of heading into this next phase is whatever you do, it's going to require a new and kind of bolder thinking that quite honestly is going to be how, require people to collaborate a lot faster, to be a lot more integrated between the care delivery and people driving the balance sheet. Uh, that shift and speed and, and reactiveness is going gonna, is gonna to have to increase. Uh, and in order to do that, you're going to have to kind of develop you know, kind of business muscles and kind of tools that are unfamiliar and sometimes uh, undeveloped, but that's just the reality of kind of what's going to have happen and the shift that's going to have to take place. Thank you, Martin. Yeah, so the old playbook just won't be helpful and sort of new muscles and a new pace uh, in terms of responding to the challenges. We're yeah, seeing that. that. So. Your perspective, I think, is critical, too, because uh, I love your perspective. And this is the, the part where the the guest gets to interview the interviewer here. You know, the challenges specifically that you're seeing on care delivery and probably on, on changes and, and the receptiveness, I think you're seeing kind of in the clinical hallways. Is that something that you're seeing kind of at your clients right now? Yeah, well, first of all, it's against the rules for you to be asking me questions, but we'll put that aside. <laughs> Who makes and, the rules? There are no rules. This is the first all, inaugural podcast. So we have it's no inaugural. Rules. Okay, fine. That's fair. I think that's fair. Um, yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, I, you know, what I'm struck by when I spend time with our clients is, first, the earnestness with which boards and management teams are addressing these challenges and that they really do begin with clinical staff, that they're really trying to think about a durable model for employment around clinical staff, because that's just so critical, particularly given the shortages that you've described. And second, you know, what is a durable kind of capital structure given the, you know, kind of a financial environment that will continue to be incredibly volatile and challenging? And then finally, really the application of technology and sort of new modalities of care. So, you know, those are really seismic and fundamental questions. And we're trying to ask and answer them all at the same time. So this is an incredible moment, incredibly stressful, incredibly important for our clients. And it's it's really a privilege to kind of sit beside and walk beside uh, these women and men as they address these challenges. So we look forward, obviously, to continuing to walk beside and assist them uh, 
in really weathering this, you know, change. So uh, thanks for that, Mark. It, the perspective, I think, when you look at you look at the sources of capital, you look at the the strain and, and lack of access to capital that's driving a lot of this. Um, I do hope that there's an appreciation for the people who have come out of this really unique time, right? And this really unique period where, quite honestly, they have been distressed and, and they've gone through a tremendous amount of stress in a already stressful profession, right? So another, I saw a competitor's survey of registered nurses that there was a 40% job dissatisfaction rating among current, you know, RNs right now. That is, I think, eight times higher than it was pre-pandemic. So to have these challenges that are structural, unique challenges coming out of the pandemic with a high inflationary, you know, high cost of capital, high challenge in a already quite honestly exhausted workforce uh, is like you said, it's it's a tremendous honor to be there for that, but it also shouldn't be lost as, you know, this is a critical, this is a critical industry uh, and the changes are real, but those changes in this environment need to be managed and handled in an appropriate way or else you're going to start seeing also, which COVID shined a very bright light on the disparity of care and the impact and the access disparity. Really, it's the lack of access that a lot of our, quite honestly, people of, of different ethnicities, race, color, economic background face that also will be impacted as a result of these changes. Uh, so that's a, that's a very complicated, volatile situation to kind of put this change into. But it also really points to the importance of getting it right. And, and that's it's not lost, I know, on you. It's not lost on our clients. I'm glad to hear it's not lost on the clinicians, too, because they're, they're dealing with it. And, and they feel it. But that needs to be, I think that's an important point to kind of carry out of the, all of this. Thank you, Martin. A any other reactions that you have from what I'll say is the front lines out there? That's it. I'm out of time. All right. We got other stuff, more important stuff to do. Stu, it has been a pleasure. Uh, I always love talking to you about this stuff. I would encourage you, obviously, and our clients and the, the listeners to this to, to reach out to smart people like yourself and your colleagues to help navigate these situations and honored to be part of, uh, part of your team and delivering these tough solutions and but real important solutions. Thank you, Martin. It's been great to have you with us today. Martin McGann, thank you so much.